If you have your Bibles, join me, and it should be easy to find. It's in the front. Genesis 1, 1 and 2, and also uh, actually 26 today. That's what we're going to be covering. Uh, yeah, it is. It's kind of funny. It's like looking around. Where's that noise coming from? Holly goes, Dad, I think it's you. So it was me. And I'm sorry. You want to come back up and do that? Oh, it didn't throw you off. threw me off because I missed one of the slides. I'm sitting there. What's wrong with this phone? Uh, okay, so we, we started a series uh, last week on worldviews. And uh, last time we looked at that Jesus is the truth. That was in John 8, 31 and 32. And that he's the only way to God in John 14, 6. Today is an equally important, and we're talking about developing a Christian worldview, not a worldly worldview, because those are two different things. So when we talk about creation, uh, we have a different set of understandings of how the world was created. I want to give you two theories. They're not Christian, by, by the way not invented by Christians, uh, maybe one of them you will recognize right off the bat. Uh, theories of creation, how all of this came to be. In my mind, it takes way too much faith to believe this. And we'll unpack that this morning. The Big Bang Theory. And I pulled this right off NASA's website. Uh, so NASA has bought into this theory. So an unexplained explosion took place. This was really first developed by Georges Lemictor. That's how you say it, Lemictor. The universe began at a central point, and then the universe expanded. So when you talk about the Big Bang Theory, there was a moment in history, a moment in time, where the universe and everything that was created exploded. And according to this theory, it continues to expand. So when man launches, uh, let me get into this for a minute, Edwin Hubble, the Hubble telescope, they have all these things named after Hubble. Notice that the galaxies were moving away from us. This was in 1929. So when he looked through the telescope, he could see that the galaxies were expanding. This was part of the Big Bang. It continues to expand and to continue into outer space. We're, we're now finding uh, galaxies that we didn't know about before. But the reason we didn't know about them before is because we didn't have the equipment that we have now. As a Christian, we believe that those have already been firmly established. And so um, here's, this was directly on NASA's website. See you later. And so the earth is pulling away and the universe is expanding. That is one view. I would maintain that if there was an explosion and there was an, uh, an expansion, God was the one that did that. But that's not what happened because Genesis very clearly tells us. The second theory, which is now waning, people aren't seeing this. The Big Bang Theory is the leading belief in our culture today. The steady state theory, 
the world had no beginning and will have no end. Well, <laughs> when I come to Revelation, I see that it does end. In fact, Paul says the creation in Romans 8, 9, uh, the creation is groaning and waiting the redemption of Christ. So this was proposed by Sir James Jeans in 1920. And also it was developed by Hoyle Gold and Bondi in 1948. So from about 1920, and really it predates the Big Bang Theory. So you, this was actually one of the first theories and it, it continued to gain support. The universe is expanding, but it does not change over time. So yes, it's expanding, but symmetrically it remains the same. And I'll give you a little chart here in just a second. So here's the two theories side by side that you can see. In the steady state theory, matter is constantly created as the universe expands. So you can, you can see it's symmetrical. As it expands, it continues to multiply and multiply. The Big Bang Theory says that it dilutes. So what happened is from this moment of this combustion that took place in which everything just happened to be right into place, and it's crazy. But anyway, it begins to slow down. Those are the two theories. Uh, I wrote in our notes this week that... Um, I recently joined the Champaign-Urbana Astrological Society. Uh, we actually voted on some things the other night, and there was a professor from Arizona State was talking about meteors. Just to give you a quick view of how we should view our world, as we're learning about these asteroids, and I'm going to highlight this little guy right here. If that asteroid hit DC, it would cripple the city. And there's a big one. Now, there's a, a double asteroid redirection test that's going to be done in October, this October. What NASA is going to do is that there is a, there is a meteorite in our, right now in our solar system. And so what they're going to do is try to hit that asteroid and redirect it to see if it would work. We're, we're working, NASA's working with the Italians actually on this project. And I'm sitting there as I'm looking at these asteroids and uh, actually I stayed awake for it, believe it or not. But um, they were, he was talking about the asteroids and I was sitting there thinking, that big one, that's a pebble to God. It's a different way of viewing our world. How we as Christians cannot buy into the evolutionary theories, cannot buy into the Big Bang theory, cannot buy into the steady state theory, but that we have a view that God created everything and that everything has a purpose and it's, it's what I like to call the grand design of God. And you see the handiwork of God and when I'm out with a telescope or I'm looking at whatever's out there, I, I'm thinking, wow, look at what God did. There's such more, there's, there's a more appreciation than studying it scientifically, 
because we know the scientists behind it. And so let's look at, let's look at this today. Um, so this should be pretty easy. God created the universe. That should be our stance. God created the universe. Now, if we look at this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word beginning, reshit, means that at a point in time in history, something happened. There, there was a beginning. This should not be confused with God showed up on the scene at that moment. God always existed, Christ always existed, and the Spirit always existed. He has no beginning, he has no end. But in the beginning of our life on earth at this moment, God showed up. And that, and this word reshit really means a point of time at the beginning in which something, an action took place. And also the Hebrew word uh, genesis or genesis comes from that root. So at this moment in time, God decided that he was going to create the world. God, you would think the word here that Moses uses, and by the way, genesis, people don't realize this, genesis is a revelation from God to Moses. Moses was not in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. But God, so Genesis is divine revelation given to Moses. So in the beginning, God, and the word here is not theos, it's Elohim. Elohim. And that means the majestic one, the one true God who did everything. The word created, bara, means, listen to this, this is interesting, it's a qualstem. But it says to make something that had not existed before. To make something that had not existed before. Here you have the Elohim creating something that had never come into existence. And if that point was a big bang, it wasn't. Because we know that God showed up and he spoke the creation K.A. Matthews writes this, the striking feature of the word always, and this is the word created, is always attached to God. It therefore conveys the idea of special activity accomplished by deity that results in a newness or a renewing. Bara always refers to the product created and does not refer to the materials which were used. Let me give you a couple examples. In the beginning, God created. And this word created, I, I, this is something that I learned that was quite different this week. Ephesians 2.10, you were created in Christ Jesus. The word created connected to God the Savior. Revelation 4.11, you created all things. Speaking about Theos, God. Colossians 1.6, for by him all things were created. Whenever that word created is used, it is attached to God. Only God can do the creation. For you are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And anybody that trusts in him is a new creation. The old things have passed away. New things have come. Only God can do this. Scientists cannot do this. They cannot continue to change uh, 
anything. And I, I don't know if they're going to be able to even budge that asteroid, but I guess they're going to they're try. God created the heavens, that Shemim, and Eretz. And this word heavens means sky and atmosphere. So therefore, God had the skies created, and there was a purpose for those skies. Then the Eretz, the surface of the earth, God did that. Let's, we're not doing all of Genesis. I've only picked out two, but I want to kind of go through God's creation acts. The first day, God creates lights, light and separates it from darkness. It's interesting that we use from this point on, it, it is a metaphor, if you will, of those who are in darkness and those who are in light. So here you have God separates the light and separates it from the darkness. And this word refers to a 24-hour period. So when we look at the creation, we can say that in six days, God created everything that we see. And there was, there was a, a methodology behind how God created everything. The second day, God formed the sky. So he put the clouds in, which would also bring the rain, which would also affect uh, uh, everything on earth. God did that. He formed the sky. Day three, the, drown, uh, the dry ground and the vegetation. Day four, filled the sky with the sun, the moon, and the stars. Spoke it into existence. Quite amazing. Let there be, and it was done. God spoke it. That's, that's why when I think about NASA and this massive thing, if it hit us, it would destroy us by 20,000 times. Uh, just seeing God throw a little pebble out there. That's how big our God is. That's the song we sang, right? Our God is awesome power. Yeah. Day five, he filled the water with fish and the sky with birds. You notice each day, making sure that there's a 24-hour period, he forms the sky the dry ground, and then he fills the sky with the sun, the moon, and the stars, and then the water with fish, and he's setting everything up for the arrival of humanity. Day six, he filled the land with creatures and, oh, 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 us. So, this is important because I've heard scientists say millions of years and we'll get into the gap theory in just a minute so God did create that was in the beginning secondly this earth was without form so we look at verse 2a the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep tohu which means a state of emptiness. Listen to this, ex nihilo, nothingness. Out of nothingness, God did this. There was void, boho, which means empty or lack of order. Now, this is a theory that some Christians hold to. What I'm getting ready to show you. The gap theory. 
And then I'll tell you what I think God did and why man is so confused over the age of the earth, billions and billions of years. <laughs> Give me a break. Um, the, the gap theory is a ruined reconstruction theory. So we read in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So God at that point says, basically, according to this theory, God said, okay, I'm going to destroy that. Then I'm going to start again. The original was not good enough. And so God destroyed it, had to start over again. Now, the reason that some believe this theory is that, well, God did destroy the original. It, the prehistoric men and animals that existed couldn't have possibly existed in the world in which we now live. So when archaeologists go find these big bones, the gap theory says, oh, no, no, that, that was God destroyed in the beginning. God created heavens, the earth, and then he destroyed it. That's, that would be their response. And actually, some Christians believe this, which is quite interesting. Explains fossils which predate the current earth. So when you read Genesis 1-1, according to the gap theory, in the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, and oh, by the way, at that point, God froze everything, and there was this massive upheaval, and it was all destroyed. So, hence, millions of years. In this, in the beginning one, verse one, they say that there were millions of years that transpired. But then God decided to destroy it. And so, archaeologists come along and they go well okay that kind of makes sense because these bones are billions of years old which is kind of crazy major problems with this theory and again some Christians hold this there's a lot of views that Christians hold that aren't really biblical so we need to reject this number one there's no other scriptures that collaborate it from Genesis 1 all the way through, there is, there is one where God sent a flood and he destroyed everything. We know that's true, but there's no scriptures that collaborate that gap theory. What it is is Christians trying to make sense of Genesis 1-1. And they're trying to make sense of these dinosaur bones and, and these people that were on the earth before, at least what they think. Secondly, Exodus 20.11 says, for in six days the Lord created the heavens and the earth, settled it. There was no other time before this, in the beginning, the genesis of this. Number three, Genesis chapter one gives us a newness about the account of creation. My own personal view, and I don't mind sharing it with you. My own personal view is that God created a mature earth. In other words, we didn't start as babies. We started as a man and a woman. 
God didn't uh, start the little birds from an, from an egg. He started them. He filled the sky. So God made a mature earth. So when man comes along and they see these massive mountains, when they, when they dig into the strata, they pull it out, it gives the appearance of millions of years in which God created like that. So man's view of creation is skewed. By the way, you can look at creation and know that there has to be a God. There is a God that created all of this, and fortunately, we know him. Darkness was over the face of the deep. There was lack of light surface, so you have this... uh, I know you can't see it, but the earth was completely covered with water in the face of the deep. Now, it's interesting to me. I I did a deep dive, and sometimes pastors can do too deep of a dive, but I want to make a reference here to water and why it's so significant, because the skies give us rain, which God developed this ecosystem in which we receive everything that we need. This is true. Water in the human body, the brain, is 75% water. Our blood contains 83% water. The heart contains 79% water. The bones, 22% water. The muscles, 75% water. The liver, 85% water. Kidneys, 83% water. Where does that come from? It comes from the fact that God said water is going to be a significant event in the life of humans. Over 65% of your body, cumulatively, is, has water. Wow. It takes, I'm going to tell you, it takes way too much faith to believe that this thing just... There's too many... It's like I've always said, there's too many coincidences to be a coincidence. So, kind of amazing. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Ruach, divine power of God hovering, which was stationary. I, I love this picture. It's like the Holy Spirit was over creation. And I think of what Kyle said in his commentary. In such a way as this, the Spirit of God moved upon the deep which had received at its creation the germs or the genetics of all life to fill them with vital energy by the breath of life. That's an amazing statement. An amazing statement. And also what you will see in Genesis, involved in Genesis and proven in other scriptures throughout the Bible. God the Father the Holy Spirit, and Christ were all involved in the creation of us and the world. Secondly, after God created the universe, the stars, everything was in place. Uh, You couldn't create man before them because man would not survive. So what I want you to see is when you go back and you read the account of Genesis chapter 1, You see this moment in time when when God said, 
let there be light, and there was light, and let the light separate from the darkness so that there would be a day. Then you have all of these other events that come into place. And then you, when everything was perfectly ready for man to inhabit the earth, there was oxygen, there was nitrogen, there was all of these chemicals, just enough for us to have life. God brought forth man and created. Then in verse 26, we're in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And it's not that I, I think all of these events aren't important. I wanted to try to summarize them so that we could make sense. And when the world says, you know what, I don't know how this got there. You can say, yes, I do. I know how it got there because of the God that I worship. Let us, who's us? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. I went through and I made some careful observations about this. Number one, up till this point, Moses has been using the third person impersonal. Let there be light. Let there be very impersonal. When we come to this one, when we come to Genesis chapter tw- uh, 1, verse 26, we see the first person. Let us make. All of creation, up to this point, it seems um, abstract. It, it, it seems God just spoke it. It came into existence. It was literal. But when it came to man, it got personal. I love animals. And I don't think that we should abuse them. And I I know that God knows a sparrow when it hits the ground. He knows it. But there's something unique about us, which we'll lead into next week, about humanity. Let us make. God said, let the animals reproduce after their kind. But man, let us make man in our image. We're unique. We are unique among all the species that are on the earth. We are unique. Mankind. I'm sorry, there's only two genders. There's male and female. That's all there is. Men cannot have children. I don't care what the world tells you. God created man and woman. There's only two genders. You go outside those doors and you go into the community, you're going to have problems when you start saying that. Gender is only mentioned with humans. There's nothing about gender in this, why it's so impersonal. It's not that God was impersonal, but his creation he loves. But there's something, what I'm trying to drive at here, is there's something unique about you. There's something unique about me. Several weeks ago, there was this woman putting a baby up and making fun of it. And that was a conservative. 
as a, as a Christian, I responded. All life is precious in the eyes of God. Whether there's a deformity, wherever, whatever it is, life is precious because we are created in his image. Um, so let us make man shares a likeness to the creator. I, I want you to understand this, this morning how special you really are. How unique. How God put all of us together and cared enough to create the reproductive system in the woman so that she can continue to give birth to children and keep, keep the line moving along. You are unique. You are special. God loves you. John 3.16 For God so loved the world curious the world, human, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Wow. That's how unique you are. Now there's four ways, four explanations of let us make. I'm going to run through them quickly because my time's getting away from me. Four ways to explain, let us make, and, and, and again means to fashion. So we were fashioned, created. God and the heavenly angels were involved. That's one, the plural attempt to uh, avoid resemblance of human, human with God. So there's this attempt to say, well, we're not really like God. But yet God says, let us make man in our image. The image is so important. It is a reference, I believe, to the Trinity. Let us make man in our image. And then, <clears throat> image is used figuratively here, for God does not have a human form. There are places where the hand of God, being in God's image means that humans share, though imperfectly and finitely, in God's nature. That is, in his communicable attributes, life, personality, wisdom, love, holiness, justice, and so have a capacity for spiritual worship. How many times have you talked to a lost person? How many times have you talked to a lost person and they say this, there's just something missing in my life. There's a hole. I'm not, I don't know what it is, but there's something missing in my life. Well, I can tell them exactly what's missing in their life. A relationship with the Creator. That's what's missing. In our image, after our likeness, Salem, a pattern, image. Um, this word refers to moral, ethical, physical, nature, thinking, conscience, all of these things after the image. So we have the ability to reason. We have the ability to think. We have the ability to feel emotions. We have the ability to do all the functions that God does. God wept. God rejoiced. God was happy. We have all of those attributes. And, and those who do not know Christ have perverted those attributes. 
So what the world finds joy in, we would scoff. It's just perverted how the world thinks. I, I saw something the other day that California legislatures are getting ready to pass legislation that will allow for abortions outside of the womb. For us, that is horrific. Infanticide. This is the mindset of humanity. You're only important until it becomes an inconvenience. Then you're expendable. Unbelievable. In likeness, demute, which means similar, but not the same. So in some sense, God created us like himself. And when Jesus came to this earth, he came in form of a baby. And he grew like we grew. And then he developed favor between God and man and eventually went to the cross having never sinned once in his life. And then he went to the cross and took on my sin, your sin, while dying on the cross. Jesus did that for us. And so I thought about let all of your thoughts be captive to Christ. And part of that being captive is remembering that we have a different view of the world. I, you know, some of the shows that I watch, they, they talk about billions of years, and I just go, 35,000 at least, maybe, based on the biblical timelines, not billions. Because when you do that, to man, it looks like it took billions of years to do this, but God did it like that. And everything that's floating out in the universe, God did that. It's awesome to see what God did. So when I look through a telescope, I get super excited to see Jupiter. The other night, I saw the rings of Saturn. Wow! God did that. Scientists, well, that was positioned here. That was like this. And it all just kind of came into place. Really? How can a little atom, boom, and just so happens the sky is there. I do not have enough faith to believe that. I love this picture. God creating. And by the way, this may be the smallest but most theologically powerful evangelistic tool. Do you know what happens to you when you die? Obviously, for believers, we go to be with God. But do you know what eventually happens to the body? It deteriorates and goes back to dust. And the Bible says... That when you die, you'll go back to the elements that God made you out of. Of course, we don't worry about that because when we die, we go to be in the presence of God. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people transition. It's never easy. It's always difficult. It looks bad on this side. But when you see that they have seen the one who hung the stars, the moons, the planets 
the sky, the sea animals, everything. When you see him face to face, wow, it's amazing what God has done. Colossians 1.6, For by Jesus were all things created. That confirms the let us make man in our image. In heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Jesus Christ was involved, God was involved, and the Spirit of God was involved in creation. And how that came together is mind-boggling, and it's like nailing jelly to a wall. But I believe it. And I will die by that, that God created all of this. There's, there's too many things, there's too many things to suggest that this was designed. My goodness, you think about how the heart pumps blood around. You think about the vessels in your eye and how, how sight comes about. You think about just the ability to breathe and the lungs that God installed in humanity. It's amazing. I can't believe that just happened. We're Sunday school. Our Sunday school class is watching uh, Ken Ham. And if there is a building, there is a builder. If there is a plan, there is a planner. You can't just have nothing. Let's, let's sit here for four hours and see if something develops out of nothing. But that's what God did. He spoke it into existence. Lastly, and I'm going to end here. He gave us dominion. And let them, that is man, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air of heaven, over the livestock. You know, it's interesting. Why did God put livestock? I've heard the argument, and it is true, that we were vegetarians. Why would you need livestock? Why would you need meat? Boy, I like meat. I'm probably going to cook a little steak tonight. I don't know. But um, let me suggest something to you here. That God foresaw that man would fall. And that there would be a time of adjustment. And therefore would need livestock. And over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This word dominion is rada, which means to rule over or manage or govern. I don't believe anybody should ever mistreat an animal, ever. Because God gave us dominion. We have to govern the stuff and protect the stuff. Whether you're a vegetarian, that's fine. That's that's fine. I'm not worried about that. Um, but I don't think we should ever abuse animals. I don't think an animal should ever be killed for fun. One of the things, I know it sounds like a liberal, right? But that's me. Can you imagine in the Garden of Eden and a lion coming up to you? If a lion came up to you today, you'd be going like this, ready to... But can you imagine in the beginning before there was sin, all of these animals, you could walk up and pet a lion. Good morning, Mr. Lion. 
you're not going to eat me until uh, chapter 3. All these animals, I know there's probably different kinds of animals, but Adam and Eve had this utopia. But because God made us with the ability to reason, the snake came along and said, you know what? In the day that you eat from this, you will know good and evil, and you will be like God. Uh, They should have been thinking we're already like God. We already have a relationship with him. But then at that point, we started going on safari because man sinned and fell. The reason you're wearing clothes today is because there's sin. Anyway, let me close with this.